We have a little bit of a different, uh, different flow going here this morning. I have something that I want to share with you before uh, we get into our greeting time. So first of all, I would normally do this later, but welcome to Discover Community Church. I know that we have several visitors here today, so thank you. Thank you for giving up your Sunday morning and coming to spend a little fellowship time with us and praise and worship of the King of Kings. We are glad that you're here. Uh, I'll do some more announcements later, but right now I want to get to uh, get to the point and just do a little bit of teaching, just for a second. Gabe's our teacher today, but I want to share something with you. If we trust God, if we trust that he is a good God and he is a merciful God and he has our best interest at heart all the time in everything that he does, then when things come our way that maybe sometimes don't make sense to us or we don't understand or we might be tempted to say, oh, why, why is that going away or why did I not get what I wanted? Sometimes we're tempted in that, but if we trust in his heart, and we know that whatever he has for us is far better than we could ever imagine in our minds, it sometimes makes those things easier. We still don't understand them, but it can make it easier for us in our heart to deal with. And so today, um, I wanna share something with you, and it's about an assignment. It's about an assignment, and sometimes people confuse a calling with an assignment. An assignment is temporary. An assignment is where God needs you for the time that he needs you to be there. And he'll give you giftings, he'll give you mercies, he'll give you all kinds of things to accomplish that assignment. Now our calling never changes. Our calling was our calling from before we were born and that is solid, that doesn't change, but assignments do. And so I wanna share with you is a changing assignment, okay? So I wanna go ahead and invite Lauren and Aaron up here. Lauren and Aaron have been a vital, integral part of our family and of this church. And you know, Lauren has been our, our worship leader and we have an assignment change for them. Um, they have, now some of you who know them a little bit better know, um, Aaron is in the military, okay? As one of like 20 jobs that he's at. From time to time, he works many different things. Lauren's only got two jobs. I don't know what her deal is, but... Um, Anyway, his assignments in the military over the past couple of years have taken him all over the country, all over the country. And so for the last two years plus, this family has hardly been able to be together at all, just kind of drive-bys in the middle of the night and short periods here and there. And that's not great for a family. It really isn't great for a family. And so God in his wisdom and in his mercy has made a way for the two of them, for first of all, for Aaron to be assigned back to uh, Lauren's hometown, which home, home state, okay? I won't use the third world mission thing again. <laughs> Last time I said they're being assigned to a third world mission, which is in Alabama. <laughs> See, I said it anyway. I said I wouldn't say it, but I did. So in, in just, a, just a little over a month, they're going to be moving back to Alabama. In fact, uh, Aaron leaves very shortly here to go back there. So we're doing this now because you probably won't get a chance to see Aaron again. You will see Lauren again as she pops in and out. She's packing. She's doing things. So you'll see her. It won't be until uh, the first weekend in June when we actually do a formal party. So if you want to mark that down, first weekend of June, come here. We'll have cake and we'll have something where we'll make it kind of a formal party. But I I want to take this opportunity and send them away the right way. 
So God is moving them as a family over there. They can be together near family, near, near each other, more importantly. But then God has something for them, even besides that. He's got an assignment there for them, and it's going to be to bless the people there through the, their worship, their fellowship, just who they are. There will be things there that, again, we can't even fathom right now. But right now, it feels like we're losing something. It feels like we're losing a part of our family. And that hurts a little bit, even though we know that what God has for us, and including here, new opportunities, new things that will come up, God always upgrades, amen? He will always take something. He never takes something away from you and says, well, now deal with that. If something moves on, he will make it better for everybody. That's how he works in his kingdom. And, and maybe we'll be able to look back at it and we'll see how this all worked. But right now it just feels melancholy because we know we're releasing them into something better, into something fantastic, but we're going to miss them. We're gonna miss him being a part of this family. So I want you to take advantage of the rest of today to, um, to love on them, especially Aaron, okay? So just pile on him, because Lauren will be around for another time. But we wanna give them a good send-off. And as part of that, I want us all just to take a moment and just pray over them and, and bless them and release them. So would you just extend a hand out and just pray with me. Father God, we just thank you, first of all, that you brought this couple into our lives for any period of time. We've been so blessed by having them a part of this church, by their heart for this church, and for the people in it, for the worship, to lead people to the very throne of God. Lord, we have been blessed by them and, and their assignment here in this place. But all assignments end, and so Lord, we, we release them to you into a greater thing. As good as this was, we know that there's something greater that you have for them. And so we release them into that. With heavy hearts, yes, but also with gladness and expectant hearts over what's gonna come next for them and for us. Father, you are a good God, a merciful God, and we trust in that. And so it's not tearful, although it's close. But it's excitement. It's excitement and just thankful hearts for what we did have and for what we'll have in the future. Well, together and apart, we know that God is sovereign and this is gonna be an amazing thing for everyone. So we release them. We commission them into the new thing that you have for them. And we thank you for what we had. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. All right, so, so without further ado, let's get into Romans. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. I am so glad to see you guys here. Um, Bob talked about the comment cards or the connect cards, so I'm going to start with a shameless plug of iced coffee, right? I have to tell you, um, one of the jokes is uh, one of my, my social media monikers is hashtag caffeinated pastor, and it's for a reason, okay? So, um, so I'm teaching on Romans 14 today, and uh, it's one of the beautiful things about having a teaching team is when we start going through um, a book of the Bible or a series, we're able to weigh in on the, the chapters or the areas that we feel led to teach on. And this is one that I was very excited to teach on. And I don't know if it's because 
Um, it appeals to the mom's heart in me to teach about not being critical of each other. But uh, whatever it is, it's what I'm teaching on. We're going to go ahead and throw up our first verse. We're just going to dive in. Uh, Paul is talking to the church in Rome. He's written this letter to them. And it's this part of the letter starts out, accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. So the cool thing about this is it's saying don't argue. And really that is the crux of, of most of this section of the, this epistle, is to not argue. And in some of the versions, it says about disputable matters. And I think that's important because when you are with a loved one or a friend and you get into talking about a, a sensitive subject like faith, um, it's important to have wisdom about what is a disputable matter. So he, he gives some examples. You know, it's, it's not like he's saying... Uh, if somebody doesn't understand that, that Jesus died for us, don't bother to tell them about it. He's saying, choose your battles, is essentially what he's saying. So Paul teaches us not to be critical of our family in Christ and not to be a stumbling block for weaker brothers. Part of the problem that he is encountering as he writes this letter, and I, I love it because talk about somebody who's trying to be super PC in this letter. He's like trying to be gentle, make sure nobody is feeling attacked or a fence because if you start in that place, you've, you often can't get any farther. You can't listen if you're starting in a place of offense. So when he is um, teaching about this, it's a delicate balance because nobody wants to believe that they're the weaker brother, right? Um, the, the, the new believers who have uh, come to know Christ and know freedom in Christ from the very beginning, they're pretty comfortable with this idea, Yahoo, freedom in Christ. The Jews who have come from Mosaic law and ceremony and a much stricter background, much more structure involved, this is difficult for them because this has been their whole life. And so they don't want to be seen as weaker because they are much more regimented. And uh, the, the new believers, they don't want to be seen as weaker because they understand the idea and the concept of freedom in Christ. So trying to be very delicate, trying to balance the fact that he has two pretty distinct audiences that he's talking to in this letter. But ultimately, Paul wants all of them to be able to, to get their priorities straight. What is the real important part of this, of this letter that he's sending? Can you put my time up on the clock there? I don't see it, just, just so I have an idea where I am in my message here. So before I, um, as I was studying for this message, I put a post up on Facebook and I asked for people to please be brave and let me know um, an instance in where they might have judged somebody. So, uh, and I, in the context of this chapter, so in a faith area. And I got some very, very honest, open answers about uh, where somebody might have been a little legalistic with a family member, somebody who's a new believer, and, you know, they're trying to push them, right? They're trying to get them farther along that path. But sometimes that's, it's not the right it's not the right way to go, right? You know, sometimes you just need to allow people 
to, to learn at their own pace. They're taking those baby steps. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is in addition to those answers that I got on that post, I also got a lot of people who told me how they had been judged, how somebody had judged them unfairly in a faith issue. And it made me think about one of the problems that we face as believers is that we are coming from a filter of what has happened our whole life, right? Where we grew up, how we came to faith, who our family is. Uh, you know, maybe we, we started in a denomination and now we're non-denominational, all of these different things. This is what creates this filter for us. But we become so focused on what it is that has happened to us, what it is that somebody has said to us and what we've encountered, that sometimes we lose sight entirely of when we are doing exactly the same thing. And um, in those responses to Facebook, you could see that a lot of people had encountered a lot of hurt, and it was an opportunity for them to throw that out there. And it's, it's, again, just important for us to keep that in the back of our mind, that sometimes our experiences cloud our ability to see how we are interacting with others as Christians. We come from this messy place to start with. So... As we go through the message, and we've talked about this to kind of lay the foundation of the message, you might be wondering, so when is it right? When is it okay for me to give my opinion? So I'm going to throw that out there as well, because I want you to think about that as we talk about the rest of these concepts. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody's like arguing with you and you feel like it's for argument's sake? They just want to argue with you. Or um, have you ever just argued with somebody and it really truthfully swayed their opinion. Not they caved just to get you to leave them alone. It really truthfully swayed their opinion. I don't think that happens very often. I think many more times people dig their heels in, right? Even to their own detriment because they feel they're being judged or treated unfairly. And I use an example uh, last night, Bob thought this was hilarious, husbands and wives, and I don't know who's who in this particular situation, but you're driving and maybe you feel that your spouse is a little too close to the car in front of them. And you're like, gosh, babe, can you back up a little bit? And uh, even if it's a good idea, I think sometimes it doesn't happen, right? I think it's, uh, I'm just fine type of thing. So that's what we have to think about. We have to think about, has that person asked us to give an opinion? Are we truly giving an opinion from our heart, right? Exactly. Did they ask us? Have they said, you know, you are somebody in my life that I give authority to talk to me if you think I'm messing up. If you think I'm having a problem, I want to talk about this with you. I want to study with you. I want to hear how you are interpreting this and what you think. There's a very big difference from somebody inviting you into a place of authority and so you, you know, just kind of diving in there and bludgeoning somebody with what you think. So we're going to move on to verses 2 and 4. So kind of keep all these things in the back of your mind as we're talking about these. And Paul's going to use an example that the Jews would have been very familiar with. He's going to start with food. So verses 2 through 4, for instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. 
Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fail or fall, sorry. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. So in other words, Paul is trying to tell them to resist the urge to do this. All right. And this last night, it was so hilarious when this graphic went up. I saw heads flipping all over the place to look at the head, the eye rollers in the group there. So um, it's, it's difficult when you feel totally comfortable, but you're right and somebody has a different opinion, it's easy to go there. It's easy to be the eye roller and feel like, gosh, how could they believe this? Um, you know, one of the things I said, if I was going to try to bring this, this passage on food into today's vernacular, we'd be talking about keto and paleo and carbage diets, right? Everybody has an idea. You know, that's not a faith-based thing, but everybody has an idea about what they think is right, and they are 100% convinced that this is what everybody should do. And, um, and those that have a little more wisdom working understand that there are few things that are 100% for every single person. People are different. People are different, and you have to look at things a little differently and approach them differently sometimes to achieve the same results, the ultimate result that you're looking for. And in this passage, God is our master. It says that very clearly. He wants us to be successful, and it's not up to us to judge others on what they do, because we're supposed to be on the same team, right? We're supposed to be encouraging and lifting people up and bringing them to God and to fellowship, not pushing them away. And believe it or not, if we practice this, if we practice this humble approach to others, it'll become the norm for us to react that way to others. Now, I'm not saying that we will never forget. I'm just saying that maybe we can recognize that we're, gonna, that we're about to blow it, and we might be able to catch ourselves before we do. So I was in a class once, um, just recently, with uh, Led by the Spirit, and the beginning several classes that we did were all about um, interacting with people in humility, okay? Having the mind of Christ when you're interacting with people. And not just your interactions, I hate to break it to you, but also in your own personal thoughts, right? So um, what she did is she gave, gave us a gimmick, told us to put a rubber band on our wrist. And every time we had a thought that was not in the mind of Christ, give yourself a thwap. Yeah, you, you could hear it even in the classroom. People, you know, I, you know so it's funny, but it, it just having that rubber band on my wrist just made me very mindful of, of where my thoughts went to about how often I felt I was right about something. And it, it just reminded me to think about it before I said it, all right? And then sometimes... When that becomes your natural posture to think about it before you say something to somebody, then you have the opportunity to have that become something that is much more natural to you. God knows your heart on that. God knows that we're humans, right? I think it is probably very unlikely that we will ever get to a state uh, on the earth that we never have a cross thought about somebody else. But we certainly can think about those things before they come out of our mouths. So we're going to um, move on to the next verses. I'm going to read these to you. Paul's going to give some more examples. Um, he wants to make sure that they understand what he's saying. So he's going to give some other examples. And one of the reasons he wants to give some other examples that seem 
to restate the exact same thing, and they seem to because really they restate the exact same thing. But the reason he does this is because if he doesn't show them how this works, they may get caught up in the details of the one example he's using. They may hear food, and that's as far as they go, and may not miss the fact that this is he's using these examples to explain a central principle, which is don't be critical of others. So verses five through nine go, in the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day, do it to honor him. Those who eat any kind of food, do so to honor the Lord since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it is to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So remember the phrase, fully convinced. All right, so both sides, really, even though Paul is clearly teaching that food and, and days of the week are not an issue, both sides are still fully convinced. And so we have to, again, remember that um, for many of them, it's not like they're fully convinced just to try, you know, be a pain. They're fully convinced because of what they are, have lived their lives through up until this point. And in this passage, it says, if they are fully convinced that what they are doing is honoring to the Lord, then, then the Lord is understanding of that. He is understanding their heart behind what they're doing. And these things like food and days of the week are disputable matters. Now, this isn't the same as somebody looking for a loophole to get out of something that God has convicted them about. So um, my example, and I'll have an example as we, as we move forward on this, but uh, again, kind of remember that because we've taught about loopholes before. If God has convicted you about something and you're trying to read the verses to read the way you want them, that's a little different than accepting freedom in Christ, okay? So we're gonna put up verses 10 through 13. I think I've got those on the back there. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. And there's a scripture in Luke that talks about uh, Jesus telling a story and um, he told it to a, a parable where he told it uh, to those who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everybody else. And that's just uh, another example of the difference between exalting ourselves above others, believing that we are right and we believe that we should be exalted above others, rather than humbling ourselves in our interactions to others in order 
to, to have that gentle spirit, that welcoming spirit, that ability to um, welcome people into what Jesus has to offer. So when I was studying this out, I thought to myself, okay, so we've talked about our filter, everything that's happened to us in our lives up until this point. You know, maybe we need to change the filter in which we're using. And if we think about this, um, I'm going to read this passage to you out of 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whether we deserve what we, whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. We are God's ambassadors. That's a big, a big point. NIV reads this way, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each of us may receive what is due for us, the things done while in this body, whether good or bad. Now, this isn't salvation that we're talking about. And, you know, I don't think that, that God has a giant list of punishments for us with it, that's what they're talking about in the scripture. I think it's the matter that we're going to have to acknowledge those things that we said. I know there are plenty of things that I can look back at and think to myself, wow, I really could have handled that better. You know, I wish I, wish I hadn't said that because there's no way to roll that tape backwards. Not really. You could try to fix it. You could try to be humble. You can ask for forgiveness. You can be better in the ways that you interact moving forward. But there will be a point where we will have to acknowledge those things. And I think that that is something, again, a good filter for us to use, saying, hey, do I want to have to acknowledge this thing that I said to God? No, I'll just, I'm going to skip it for this moment, and I'm going to think better before I send that email, say that thing, um, and, and maybe embarrass somebody or, or cause them to stumble in their faith. So Paul goes on. In this next set of verses, 14 through 19, I'm going to read them to you. And big surprise, he's talking about food again. And just so you guys know, I printed this out because I need giant fonts. Otherwise, I have to be in my reading glasses. So <laughs> that's why I'm not, I've got my Bible, but I need bigger font. Uh, I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, for, then for that person, it is wrong. Remember, we're talking about the heart behind what we're doing and not looking for loopholes. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. And again, I don't believe Paul is saying that you can't go home and have something that you want to eat. I think what he is saying here is that why would you throw it in somebody's face and say to them, it's okay to eat it. You know, if this person has a problem with meat, sitting in front of them gnawing on a T-bone is not the way to address that, right? You, you don't have to do that right away. To be sensitive to somebody who's new in their faith. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. So a couple other things about this, about this scripture. One reference I want to give you guys is 1 Corinthians 8, 7. However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real little g-gods, and their weak consciences are violated. So this is something that Paul is 
is fighting against to help the Jews understand that these little G gods, that, that it's okay to eat these foods, that these gods really, they're nothing to our God, and that it's okay. But for them, new in their faith and, and new in, in this freedom in Jesus, if they're convicted in their hearts that they think somehow they are being disloyal to Jesus by eating these foods, I think it's okay to say, like, you know what? If you're not comfortable with that, that's okay. You've got the whole Jesus part right, and that's the important part. Whether or not you eat this certain food, we're just going to let that lie for the moment. Some of you might have an issue in that scripture where it talks about others will approve of you too. And I want it to be clear that he's not talking about seeking others' approval over God's approval. He is talking about when we are not critical of others, when we are inviting to others in that way where they feel we are safe, then it is a way to gain that approval, that trust, and they are able then to, to ask and learn more and step forward in their faith rather than feeling that they are constantly being criticized or demeaned where they might shrink back from that possibility. So that's important. These are people that are taking baby steps, many of these people. And that's an important thing for us to remember that that can be really difficult. It can be really difficult and a vulnerable place for somebody who is newer in their faith. So I've got an example. So have you ever, before I give you my example, think on your own if you've ever been embarrassed or humiliated or put on the spot by someone uh, in a faith way. And I'm going to give you a couple examples. One for me as a pastor, anybody who's been in ministry, I'm sure will have encountered where somebody will come up to you and out of the blue, like totally out of context, you know, you could be painting, you could be doing anything. And they come up and they reference some obscure scripture and want you to be able to tell them where it came from and, and you're caught off guard, okay? And then the, if you can't answer it right off, they're like, some pastor, they don't know every scripture in the Bible and, you know, whatever. I can't even tell you how many times that happens to me. And I am the worst person when somebody puts me on the spot and I feel unprepared for something. And um, that's tough, you know, and I, I, I don't know that I feel that people do that on purpose, but sometimes I think maybe they do. I mean, I don't know. So my, my bigger example of that is prophetic ministry. So we have a group led by the Spirit that they meet in the meeting room, and they have prophetic classes. And they've been doing it for years and years. And for a very long time, um, I was very interested in those classes, but I never engaged. And the reason I never engaged, and this is over like a 10-year period, the reason I never engaged is because I had some interactions with just a few people within that class, and um, I thought they were weird. I just thought they were weird, and they seemed like, you know, they had a problem with the fact that, you know, at that time, uh, I didn't speak in tongues. I didn't really, I didn't know a ton about, you know, prophetic ministry and the parameters and the structure, especially when I was newer to ministry, like 12 years ago. It was really difficult, and I felt very judged. I felt demeaned and less than, and I felt like they kind of looked at me like, like I wasn't worth the time. So I didn't, I didn't go to that class, and even though I wanted to, 
anytime somebody asks me, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to be part of that class. I think those people are kind of weird. So, yeah, <laughs> totally. So now I am just now, after that amount of time, finishing up going through the two classes, the, the foundations and the advanced. And it has been the most wonderful experience for me. And the people in the class have been amazing. The teacher's been amazing. Um, I have learned so much for my own self about being able to, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to, to speak to God, to try to deal with others in humility. I have learned so much. But the fact is, is that those people were a stumbling block for me. How long did I hold off on something that was wonderful for me because of my interaction with a few people. And that wasn't, they weren't, you know, they weren't, um, not everybody in the class was like that. Just like not all Christians are mean or judgmental or whatever. But if you meet one or two people that you have an interaction with, that you feel that way, that they're judgmental or critical, it can be a stumbling block from somebody moving forward in their faith. And how terrible is that? That's not what we want. We want to be good examples of honoring the Lord, and we want to invite people into a fellowship that is worth having, right? Okay, that was my mom's speech there. Okay, so <laughs> we're going to go on to um, verses 20 to 23. I think I've got those on the back there. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning. If you go ahead and do it, for you are not following, if you go ahead and do it, for you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. I have one more story before we wrap this up. Netflix. Gonna be the death of me, I'm just saying, okay? So uh, I really love binge watching series is in there. And, uh, but this can be a problem sometimes. And I, I acknowledge this for myself. It's a problem for me. I'm not saying it's a problem for anybody else in here. I'm giving you an example of when you know something is wrong and you kind of do it anyway. And that you're trying to find the loophole of the fact that it's not wrong for anybody else. That if it's not wrong for anybody else, then it's not wrong for me either. But there was a particular show that I, that I watched. I never missed it. I spent way too much time on it. And I kind of felt convicted about it. But I thought, you know, it's just a TV show. It's nothing real, you know. But I like it. It's, it's fun for me. And, um, but I felt clearly that the Holy Spirit was convicting me about watching it and how much time I spent watching it. I think that's a lot of what the problem was. And um, it got to a point where I'm, I'm watching an episode one time, and while I'm watching it, I'm thinking, he's right, I shouldn't be watching this. This is not, this is not for me. I've gotten too wrapped up in this show. It's not real, you know. If I treated reading my Bible as religiously as I did watching that show, right, that's a problem. What does it mean if I felt confident the Holy Spirit was convicting me about something and I did it anyway? You know, again, that's, that's what, 
I needed to do what I thought was honoring to God, and I believe what he wanted me to do was not watch it. So now it's been a couple years, and I haven't watched it, and I feel 100% that was the right thing to do. But that's where we have to be in touch with our relationship, and we can't be a stumbling block to others because if we try to make them feel that they can't hear directly from God, where does that leave them? That's our gift is to be able to have that direct connection with God. Worship team, you can start coming on up. So the bottom line in all of this, um, I believe, is this. Keep it between yourself and God. Um, He knows if it needs to be addressed. He knows if the issue is an issue that needs to be addressed. And he will make sure that that happens. He will make a way for that to happen. Even with the stumbling block of the, the prophetic ministry for me, he still made it happen. It was a big delay for me, but he still made a way for it to happen, and it has been an amazing experience. And so I think as believers, we want to. Our mission is to make disciples, to spread the good news. So we don't want to be a stumbling block. And if we can kind of just keep in our minds that every interaction that we have with somebody, there's a chance for their heart to be softened and for them to move forward on their own because God is fully capable of making those connections for people to continue to move forward in their faith, but they won't do it if they don't trust the people that they're in fellowship with. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we're going to move into communion. We're going to pray and then move into communion. If you are new to Discover, we do communion where we've got, um, at the crosses here, you'll see stations that have juice and bread and gluten-free crackers. You can serve yourself or serve your family. You just take the bread or the crackers and you dip it in the juice and you take it that way. And Bob and I are gonna be up here in front. We've got wine and uh, bread and gluten-free crackers and we would love to serve you if you'd like to take it that way. But I wanna go ahead and uh, close the service in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for just a great, a great day and for know just for for telling us that it's okay to trust you with those people that are important in our lives our hearts are to take care of our family and friends and and sometimes we just need the reminder that you are doing all the heavy lifting lord and that we are on your team and we will be obedient to the things that you ask us to do but we will also be obedient about being good to each other we love you and we praise you in jesus name Amen. Amen. All right. You guys can move in communion anytime.
we want to invite you, if you have a need, uh, a prayer need, a healing need, um, just something going on in your life, the prayer team's in the back right now, and they would love the opportunity to pray with you. Um, you can grab one of us, you can grab uh, Pastor Gabe, Pastor Bob, we would love the opportunity to pray with you, whatever that is. Um, so if you want to step out now, please feel welcome to do that. Nobody's watching you, they're paying attention to Jesus, uh, and so that's what we want right now. You delight in showing mercy, and mercy triumphs over judgment. Know that you delight in showing mercy, and mercy triumphs over judgment. I will wait 
Spend my days loving the one who has raised me Death to life, wrong to right You're making all things beautiful So I will wait, spend my days Loving the one who has raised me Death to life, wrong to right You're making all things beautiful So I will wait, spend my days Loving the one who has raised me From death to life, from wrong to right You're making all things beautiful So I will wait, spend my days Loving the one who has raised me so much that you delight in showing us your mercy. Your plan all along is to give us salvation, to make us right with you. And even though you're a just God, you made a way. 